podcast uses a profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. Amanda. And welcome back to episode 66. Hi. Sorry, I was just watching you pull things off of Annie. There's like, she had a peanut butter and jelly for lunch today. Oh, so she's extra sticky. Oh, yeah. Like, I've wiped her down as best I could, but I should have just put her directly in the bathtub. Uh, but we still had to run errands and stuff, so. Yeah, that was my day was running errands. But, well, uh, I know you're really excited to hear about what the doctor told me. I'm so excited. So my surgery is coming up. So I had my pre-op with the doctor. Okay. And I did ask if I could keep the fallopian tube. And, and? he just kind of laughed. And he's like, uh, if you really wanted to, I guess we could. But, but, he's like, but then we can't send it for pathology to do the testing that we need to do. So probably not. So I said, I'll accept pictures. And he went, oh, there will be plenty of pictures. Don't you worry about it. Oh, he 100% passes the vibe check. Yeah, so he was totally fine. He was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. He's so wonderful. He only said no because he has to go get it tested. So, And even at that, he's not sure if he's removing it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because once they get in, they're going to decide then if it looks like it needs to be removed or not. But it's likely it will be. So that's really the only update I have. Oh, no, I have one more update. Guess what I'm making right this moment? Tamales? No, that's an active process. You would oh. see all of that. I am making bread. Oh. Granted, it's in my bread maker, so I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything, but hoping for the best. What kind of bread? Wheat bread. Good The one. type that you eat. Okay. Look, there's a lot of different bread. <laughs> and I only know because James also makes his own bread. And depending uh, on how that bread turns out, let me know. Do you eat bagels? Mm, not really. If you like them, he has a recipe for like a bagel loaf. So it's a bagel, but in a bread shape. Mm. And it's really good. Okay. This is supposed to be like a keto recipe for like healthy bread. I didn't oh. I couldn't find the keto fr- flour it told me to buy. So it's just mm-hmm. normal wheat flour. So it's probably not keto at this point. <laughs> but I followed all the other instructions. A lot of that keto stuff is really hard to find. It's really specific. Uh, when James was on keto before, it almost destroyed my bowels and he stopped doing it. It was really hard to find. And it was all really expensive, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I've got wheat flour at home. It's fine. Why do mm-hmm. I need wheat bread or keto wheat? It's almost keto. It's fine. It's wheat bread. It's still probably better than <laughs> regular bread. Yeah, probably. Well, the bread that we buy is like low calorie as is. It's mm-hmm. like 45 calories per slice or something like that. So it's already really, really low. Um, I don't know if it's healthier than that. So we might be picking up some calories and carbs there, but I really don't care. I want to use my bread maker. Feel that. So, so that's what we're doing today is making some bread. Then I expect pictures of both fallopian tube and bread here soon. At the same time, what order yes. do you want it in? 
Um, surprise me. Do you want it in like a fallopian tube, bread fallopian tube type sandwich oh, thing there? Yes. Please send me a fallopian <laughs> tube sandwich. Okay. I will send that <laughs> your way. I don't know when, but when I get pictures. Because currently, I don't know how I'm going to be coming off of anesthesia. I've only ever had one surgery, and that was to get my wisdom teeth out. Mm-hmm. And that was. 10 plus years ago. Is Cody so excited to possibly video you? Uh, when I turned to Cody and said, you better not have your phone. The doctor <laughs> said, oh, this isn't the type of procedure or anesthesia that you'll be that loopy. And I said, he'll find something. <laughs> so. He's I think he's um, he's more stressed about the dogs jumping on me because there will be. So just to give you some. Some information, there's going to be three incisions in my stomach because they use the the robot thing where it gets Mm -hmm. real, real into it. So they're going to have three incisions about six inches across or apart on my stomach. And then they're going to go in, scoop out any endometriosis that they find, remove a fallopian tube if they need to, look for any polyps, cysts, whatever. And then sew me back up. That sounds pretty cool. I, I love watch. I say cool because I love watching like videos and stuff of the robot surgeries. It's just freaking mind boggling to me. Oh, do you want me to ask him if he can just live stream for you? Oh, that would be perfect. <laughs> Better yet, just ask him if they have a viewing room and I'll just go up there. That'll be my vacation. I'll see you on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be very upset because there's no snow. That's bull honky. There might be snow at my parents' house, but you got to drive to it. So. All right. Well, I've got a story. Actually, before we go into stories, we should probably do the process that we always freaking forget. We're sorry, guys. We just suck. Um, Do you want to do shout outs? Oh, yes. We actually just talked about doing one. Do you and remember what it is? Massachusetts, right? Yeah, <gasps> Massachusetts. What was it again? Ooh. It was Massachusetts. So our listeners out in Massachusetts, hey, hi, hey. howdy. I don't think they say howdy up there. What do well, you say? I'm just throwing in all the highs I can just in case. So either uh, way, we're happy you're here. Yes. So thank you to our Massachusetts Ooh. listeners. Um. And then we do want to shout out that we are posting pictures on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things um, weekly after the episodes are released. So you should uh, be able to go in and see those. Our Twitter is Hell on Hills Pod. Everything else is Hell on Hills Podcast. Um, we also have our Patreon up and going. That one, uh, there are different levels of subscribers, the lowest being $3, the highest being $10. Uh, you get access to early... Nope, you get access to early released episodes, so you get those a few days early, um, as well as things like Amanda spilling orejitos on her head. Those are tragic. Those are on our Patreon for our patrons to be able to giggle along with us. Um, What else? Is there something else I'm missing? Oh. We also have, if you want to email us, you can email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can send us questions, complaints, 
complaints are going straight to our Patreon so we can giggle. Um, but you can also send us suggestions or uh, your own true crime or paranormal stories, whatever you guys want to send us. You guys can email us there. Um, but other than that, I think, are you ready for a story? I am so ready. Okay, are you ready because you keep looking at the picture? Why is she so happy all the time? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to throw it out there right now. She's on some kind of drug. She's on the drug of life. Oh, no. That's the <laughs> worst one. <laughs> all right. Well, we are going to be talking today about Mona Fandy. Have you heard about her? I, I don't think I've ever heard of her. All right. Well, she, this is all based in Malaysia. So she is Malaysian. Um, her given name is Nirmazna Binti Ismail. I don't know if that's how you say it. I'm sorry. I listened to it like six times yesterday and it already left my brain on how to say that properly. So I apologize if I said that wrong. But she is better known as Mona Fandi. Um, she was born on January 1st, 1956. She was actually considered a very talented singer and water ballet dancer. Oh, water Wa ballet. Holy water crap. ballet, yeah. This girl, or this woman, had to have been badass. She's a New Year's baby. Oh, I didn't even see that. I didn't even, like, recognize that. Well, <clears throat> she even had some of her water ballet uh, dances reportedly broadcast around the world. Like, she was pretty dang good, is what I'm saying. Oh, wow. Okay. No wonder she's so happy. Yeah. Well, in the late late 1980s, Mona would have a promising pop star career start. And she ventured into this music industry, again, pretty young age. And it was during this pop star career where she actually adopted the stage name Mona Fandy. And she did have a pretty promising start. She was able to release her biggest hit, Kunayakan Laguini. I don't know how to say that, but it translates to I'll sing this song. Do you want to hear it really quick? Please. Okay, hold on. Um, for anyone else that wants to listen to it, I'll post on our Instagram how to Google it or the link or whatever I need to. But I'm going to share it for Amanda right now. Okay, I'm going to pause it there. It's kind of a bop. Like, I can see she's pretty talented. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like it's. Okay, here's the thing. It's very different than what I would listen to, just like with the B and the tone of the music to begin with, but I kind of like it. Um, aside from the fact that I have no clue what she is saying, but that's fine. So you can still stream her music. Um, she's, where is it? So that is like her biggest hit. I lost my notes. I'm sorry. There it is. And what was it um, called again? I sing this song. Is that what it translated I'll sing to? Sing this song. Yeah. Okay. I also love that. Did not she did not bury the lead there. Put <laughs> it all out in front of her. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, here's the thing with her pop star career. It would very quickly grow stagnant. And that is the only album she would release. Um, and that's just one of the biggest songs on the album. She would eventually go on to marry her third husband. Mohad, uh, uh, I believe his name was Mohammed Afindi Abdul Rahman. I could be saying that incorrectly, but he's going to be known as Afandi. I might have said Afindi. Afandi. Um, but these guys, they get married, fall in love, all the fun stuff. And these two would enter into a world of witchcraft and the occult 
in Indonesia. Uh, okay. Definitely no, that's not the route you were expecting it to take. No, no, I was, that's not where I thought we were going. Yeah. It's not really clear at exactly like what year they got started in the witchcraft, but it, it is clear that this is kind of a team effort, a joint effort with her and her husband. And Mona would become known as a Bohom or a Bomo, um, which is basically like a, a local shaman. And she would go on and start offering services, mostly to upper class clientele. Um, and she'd start offering her shaman-esque services. She claimed to have given potential, nope, she claimed to have given political clients charms and talismans that were helping enhance their political career and increase earnings, that type of stuff. In 1993, Malaysian politician Maslan Idris, who was the assemblyman for the Batu Talman, um, so he's a political figurehead, and he reportedly seeks Mona out for her help with her powers. And Maslan, he's wanting to boost his career. He's He was actually a well-educated person. He was educated in the U.S. Uh, he was very ambitious. And on July 2nd, 1993, he approaches Mona looking for something to help his political career just to give him a higher rank, increase earnings, all of that. And he is invited to a ritual, ritual with Mona. Mona told him that the ceremony would make him invincible and clean the er evil spirits. And it would also provide him with a couple talismans. One included a cane and the second was a hat, which was supposedly owned by a former Indonesian president. Okay. Um, it's starting to smell a little fishy, but at the same time, like if you have any of those financial talismans left, I would love to, um, just hold on to it for a little bit, you know, for scientific purposes. Well, here's the thing for Mona's services or a talisman is a little pricey. So for Moslin, Mona would demand a payment of 2.5 million ringgit. Oh, which that's roughly around five hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. American, like U.S. Yeah, U.S. Oh, yeah. yeah she ain't. She ain't she's not around. cheap. She is not cheap. Look, uh, know your worth, okay? I guess. Yeah. Like she's helped other people pay up, sir. And does he? I feel like he does. Well. Before he's reported missing, police become suspicious because Moslin had withdrawn 300,000 ringgit, which at the time was equivalent to 160,000 USD. Um, and this isn't just one bank transaction. It is reported in different sources that in total, Moslin would go on to give Mona 500,000 ringgit and also give her the title to 10 different plots of land that he owned as kind of like a security or a promise that he would pay. The remaining amount. Yeah, real fishy. <clears throat> and he is officially reported missing on July 2nd, 1993. His family and friends believed initially that he had simply kind of gone incommunicado by choice. But after about a week of not hearing from him, they start to grow more and more concerned, uh, very concerned about his safety. And in the weeks to come, the media would make a lot of different speculations on his whereabouts and trying to find him. But at this point, nobody knows that there's a connection between Moslin and Mona. And from some of the reading I did, it actually explained that 
in the area, it was kind of frowned upon to kind of go to these, like the witchcraft, the voodoo, that type of thing. Um, it was just kind of a negative image and it's likely he was trying to keep it on the down low so that he didn't have that negative image come back on his political image. That, that makes sense. Uh, did they get, did they end up being tied together by, you said he transferred like property to her. Is that how they found this well, link? I'll explain it. Okay. Um, the search for Moslin would come to a stop on July 22nd, 1993. This is 20 days after his initial disappearance where his body would be discovered. He had been dismembered and buried and his remains were found in 18 pieces buried in a storeroom near Mona's home. He had also been partially skinned. Oh, why? I don't know. <laughs> he was discovered after police question uh, Jeremy, who is Mona's and her husband's assistant. Jeremy's statements lead police to the hole where Moslin's body was ultimately discovered. Up until this point, and Jeremy had actually, uh, and I'm so sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but he had actually been um, arrested on other charges and then gave this information to police. So he's like, if I'm going down, y'all are going down with me. Yeah. Some people say it might have been that he was a little bitter about the amount he was paid. Um, other people think maybe it was just he was super guilty, whatever it may have been. Regardless, he gives these statements and he leads police to Moslin's body. On July 24th, 1993, Mona Afandi, her husband, and uh, Jeremy are officially arrested for the murder of Moslin. Police had made connections that implicated Mona and the rest of the party to the murder, including that, um, or I'm sorry, remember that $300,000 ringgit withdrawal that Moslin had withdrawn? Huh? In the days or weeks following that withdrawal, Fandi kind of had a slight shopping spree. She purchased a Mercedes-Benz. Oh. She had a facelift. She bought a new yeah. phone. They bought jewelry. They bought furniture. They just went on this little shopping spree. In total, the things that she bought uh, came to about 300,000 ringgit. Girl, you have, you, are, you have to be new to this. Like, come on. You don't just go. <laughs> you got to be able to explain this stuff. People are jealous. She did. People have neighbors. Okay. She did. She explained okay. it by saying, I charged him 2.5 million ringgit and he paid me a fifth of that. And then know. he disappeared, ma'am. Sounds like a personal problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Me now, and my Mercedes don't care about his whereabouts. Sounds like a you problem. Now, reportedly, and I couldn't get clarity. I had a lot of different sources that said it was one day and other sources said it was another date. But sometime between July 2nd, 1993 at 10 p.m. and midnight on July 18th, 1993, Moslin would be killed in a shamanistic ritual that he had performed on him. According to reports, uh, Mona, her husband, Afandi, and their assistant, uh, Jirami, they would have Moslin lay on the floor with his eyes closed and Mona would begin placing flowers on him. Um, Moslin is laying on the floor waiting for money to drop from the sky. And that's not quite what happened because someone would bring out an axe and they would ultimately behead Moslin. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Yeah. There are reports that state it was Mona and there are other reports saying that it was her assistant that did it at Mona's behest. 
Yeah, I don't even know what they're paying this assistant, but it, he's underpaid. He or she, they're underpaid. He, yeah, okay, he's yeah. definitely underpaid. Y'all gotta uh, start paying your your workers more, or you get found out. Yeah, I mean, think about what happens here, or they quit. <laughs> Listen, or both, I guess. They would go on to dismember and then partially skin the rest of his body. Okay, why do they skin it? I don't know. Uh, maybe they were bored and they were like, ooh, look what this does. I don't know because they're obviously sick in the head at this point, thinking that they're doing the shamanistic ritual and then killing him. Okay. Anyways, these details come from Drami's statement. Um, he actually would go on to testify against Mona and Afandi at the trial. So the trio, they all plead not guilty to the charges against them. And part of this might have been because from what I could find um, in Malaysia at the time, um, if you're found guilty of murder, it's an automatic death sentence. Oh, they ain't they don't play around. Yeah, they're not. They're not messing around. So the court, uh, the case goes to high court and this is where they would face a seven person jury. Fun little tidbit. This is actually the one of the final cases that would face a jury trials in Malaysia. Jury trials were actually abolished in January 1995 in Malaysia. It's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, some sources said it was the last one. Others say it was just one of the last ones. So okay. trial begins on August 3rd, 1993, and it would last until February of 1995. Holy crap. Yeah. So almost two years. A long time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. In this time, the prosecutors would present 70 plus witnesses and they would have 900, oh, nope, 295 different exhibits of evidence that they would show. And throughout this whole trial, there is intense media coverage and it's very sensationalized. And Mona received most of the spotlight, something that everyone believes that Mona just craved. Throughout the entire trial, Mona would smile. She was constantly cheerful. She would dress in brightly colored dresses with bright patterns. She would pose for press and photographers, even waving at the press as she was ushered into court. So no remorse. No remorse. No. Okay. Many compared her behavior kind of like as if she was on this big movie premiere. Like she was like, ha, you know, like kind of really, really crazy. It's reported that she even made a comment. Looks like I have many fans during trial. Ma'am. She reminds me of um, Diane Downs. Oh, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, like, it's weird to say. I don't even think Diane Downs is as bad as she is, though. Well, I do wonder if maybe she had, like, a mental illness, something going on where it wasn't processing it that wasn't ever brought up that was just mm -hmm. after me reading everything it's like either she truly has no remorse for what she did or she doesn't fully understand what's happening were you able to find much on her background nope because i wonder if she might have had something happen in her childhood because with the uh that what did you the water ballet uh she was popular with that and it kind of I guess fizzled out and then she moved on to being a pop idol and it kind of fizzled out and then she moved on to this. It almost seems like she's chasing some kind of stardom and in her mind she got it from this. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of like, I don't know if she fully understands what's happening 
because she's getting attention, but maybe that's all. I don't know. No, I see your point. Like maybe it's, she's not registering like this isn't the attention you think it is. Yeah. During trial, Mona would attempt to sing for the judge to kind of sway the jury in her way. Oh, honey. She would even go to the lengths to claim that she was of royal heritage. And that's because since 1957, Malaysia has been a constitutional monarchy. So if she was potentially of royal heritage, lenient sentence, whatever it may have been. Mona would ask prison guards for a daily newspaper so that she could see what coverage she had received and reportedly telling um, reporters, thank you for putting such nice stories and pictures. Were they nice stories? I don't, I don't really know. Um, in February 1995, trial ends. The jury would take a total of 70 minutes to deliberate. And they would make the unanimous verdict of guilty for all three. That doesn't yeah. feel shocking. Yeah. All three of them would receive the death sentence. And after hearing that... Um, Were they all tried together? Um, I'm not sure on that. I know that Mona and her husband had a different husband. And then the assistant... Or I'm sorry. Mona and her husband had a different lawyer than the assistant did. So because the only reason I ask is because I know sometimes like um, West Memphis 3, uh, they had... I think two of the boys had uh, the same trial. They might have all had separate trials. I can't really remember. But I know sometimes in situations like this, if it's in the America, in, in the Americas. In the Americas. In, in the U.S. at least, they'll give people the option to try people separately. If they were all in the same trial and she was acting like this, as her husband and her assistant, I would be pissed. I would be elbowing her and being like, shut up. I want to say it was all together, but I I didn't see anything that said otherwise. But they would all be sentenced to the death penalty. And after hearing that they would receive the death sentence, Mona said to the court, I am happy and thank you to all Malaysians. Is, did she uh, does she have a psych eval or anything? Does she understand I this situation? That's why I'm saying I don't know that she understands what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. She was photographed smiling while she was being out escorted out of the courthouse after receiving her sentence. Is that the picture of her in red? Yes. No, 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 not that one. Sorry, there's okay. a different one in red. Oh, you're right. There is. Well, no, there's a different one. Oh, no, that's the right one. That, the one of her in red, the one labeled three, is her leaving court. Okay. Um, yeah, she looks like she's being released. Like, she's ecstatic. And also, I love this one cop's red lips. Get it, girl. I didn't see him. Hold on. I wasn't paying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like all the cops look kind of like they're like on duty. And she's just like, I'm on duty, but I'm fabulous. Exactly. She's like, got to add a pop. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Mona, Afandi, and Jeremy, they would be taken to the Kajang prison. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I'm sorry if I'm not. And from what I could find, this prison was actually really known for its death row inmates. They would appeal their sentence to a federal court in 1999, and the court would dismiss their appeal and uh, uphold the death penalty sentence. Mona and the others would then try to obtain a pardon from the pardons board. This was also dismissed, and the board refused to give any clemency. On November 1st, 2001, Mona, Afandi, and Jirami would receive their last meal of KFC. Okay. Fair. 
from what I, I it. saw, it wasn't even that they requested that. Um, there were some reports that were like, yeah, they had KFC, but it wasn't necessarily that they requested it. It's just like that was their last meal. Okay, if that's the case, that's kind of rude. Like, what if, especially with her being as boisterous? But, but it's because they declined their last meal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she wasn't like, I want steak and lobster. And they were like, here's, here's KFC. Calm down. Here's a six piece and a crusty biscuit from yesterday. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. It was, from what I could find when it said that they weren't necessarily requesting anything, it was because they had more so declined the last meal. Um, They had been given an eight-hour visit with about a dozen family members, and they reportedly advised their kids to grow up and be good people during this visit and to take care of themselves. Aw, okay, so a little bit of wholesome. Yeah. This is November 1st, 2001. It's something. Um, they would be executed on November 2nd, 2001 in the early morning hours, and the three were hanged at the prison. Prison officials noted that none of them showed any remorse during their time in prison or during the execution. Mona was reportedly calm and smiling at her own execution. Reportedly during the execution, she stated, and I'm doing the translation for this one, but she stated, I will never die. And Mona would be executed at the age of 45. Today, many people believe that talking about this case might might cause bad things to happen because a lot of people say there's a curse associated with it. I didn't find out about that until my research was done. So I love how you added that at the end. So anybody who was anybody who's like, I'm just going to skip this one just in case Bryce is like, no, the heck you ain't. I had to read it. So you have to hear it. Here I'm we are. Sorry. It's I didn't find out until the end. Okay. I didn't well, I know. Nothing bad happened. I'm sure we'll be fine. Also, I was kidding about what I said in the beginning. I don't want a talisman, please. Okay. You no longer want the talisman. No thanks. I'll be broke. Uh, are you sure? 100%. Okay. Well, I guess that's all I can offer for you right now is a talisman. That's going to cost you 2.5 million ringgit. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll stay broke. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's my story. I thought it involved I thought it involved a paranormal element too of witchcraft. I love a good witchcraft story because I never think when you tell when you're telling a true crime story, I'm never like so involved some witchcraft, right? I just thought it was fun. Well, I guess not fun. I thought it was one that I hadn't heard before. So I hope you hadn't heard it before. I have never heard this before, no. Okay, good, 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 good. So I was trying to give you a new one. I know it was super short, though. No, I I still liked it. I liked it a lot. It's, it's eerie that she was just ecstatic about life oh. up until the very end. I know. She was insane. She was losing it. That's why I'm like, I wonder if there was something more wrong. Like, I know it was 1993, but there, I feel like there had to have been something else going on in her head. Either that or she truly is just a sociopath. Sociopath? Sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even think she'd be a sociopath because do they feel happiness? I don't know. But does she feel happiness or did she put on, put on a show? I don't know. She looks pretty happy. She does look pretty dang happy, but 
then again, to your point, she has a history of putting on shows. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. And it's so hard for me because it's like this, this woman just murders someone. And like a lot of people, like the motive was money. Like it very clearly was money. But also, like, did she not expect him to pay that much and was surprised that he paid as much as he did? And she was like, oh, shit, I can't make this happen. And panic? That's what I'm confused about. And also, like, you could... She could have really drug this out. She could have easily been like, okay, this was, what, right under half of what she told him she needed? And he paid a little bit, and then they did the... Was that oh, right? It was, a, it was a fifth. A fifth, so two yeah, that's right. Five, and they paid 500000 So it was a fifth of what she asked for. She could have been like, now... The, you know, we're going to have to do this every other Tuesday for six weeks and then it'll happen and just been like raking it in every time. But well, don't you think she could have been like, I've got your powers on hold until I get my payment? Like, if I do witchcraft, I would. If I'm doing witchcraft and you guys don't pay up, I'm going to be putting a hold on your there's like uh, like your your powers are suspended until further notice. You better pay up, right? And if They're you don't pay up, eight fees. If you don't pay up, it goes from hold to hex, just like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's me if I were to get into witchcraft, but I'm not getting into witchcraft. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I also have a story. Sorry, I got distracted because there was somebody outside your window, and I'm assuming it's Cody in a hat. Probably. Okay. Well, shit, so. that means he's going to catch me. Oh, fold like the wind. He doesn't need to know. It's fine. Fine. Uh, if you're up for it, I need you to do a little role play for the beginning of this story. Ooh, Ooh role play. Okay, yeah. I'm ready. Okay. Do I so. need like an accent? I can't do those very well, so I'm sure I'd insult someone. Ooh, yeah, do an accent. This is in Oklahoma, so put on your best country accent. Sorry, Oklahoma, in advance. Um, I don't, I don't quite know how to do that. Talk how you hear me. <laughs> I don't think you want that. <laughs> oh my God, please do it. Okay, so in this story, pretend you're, uh, I okay. don't know if I'll do well, but I'll try. Okay, okay, okay. So <clears throat> it's December 30th, 1970. You are a farmer in Oklahoma near El Reno, and you wake up. Oh, also, you're a man. You're a man farmer. (laughs) No, you're not a man farmer. You are a man who is also a farmer. Can I please be a man farmer (laughs) instead? Okay, you can be a man farmer, but you also have chickens. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, so you wake up. And before you water your man crops, the first thing you do is head to the chicken coop to tend to your chickens. Howdy, chickens. This is going swimmingly. (laughs) So the problem uh, you find when you get out there is the door to the coop has been ripped from its hinges and it's on the ground. Dag nabbit. Inside, you find human-esque handprints that are way bigger than your own. Damn it, Jimmy's been sleeping here again. 
And a few of your chickens are missing. Where the hell is Ruby Beth? (laughs) Is that one chicken or two? It's one. (laughs) I need Hennifer here. (laughs) If I ever, if James ever lets me get chickens and I don't name them Hennifer, I want you to mail me an envelope of glitter. Oh, can I still do that with or without the chickens involved? How about I mail James the glitter? Yes, that's ex- okay. exactly what I was going to say. See, you get me. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> what do you do in this situation? Do you know what you would do if you oh. wake up and the, the the door's torn asunder and your chickens are missing? Without how bad, a trace. How bad is it torn? Like, it is on the ground. Completely. But, okay, maybe my question isn't how bad is it torn. How sturdy were my hinges and locks? You didn't have any problems with foxes or raccoons. So, But did a drunkard named Jimmy come in and tear my shit up? Well, now you got to think about the handprints, though. You said they were human-esque, and that's why I'm asking. But they're way, way big. He could have been a basketball player. He should have been a basketball player. You know what? That's a fair point. I really hope he is. uh, Because, so, the farmer in this story is unnamed. Oh, it's me, actually. I am a man farmer. The farmer in this story is now named Man Farming (laughs) Bryce. (laughs) Put that in your resume, please. I am a man farmer. And if they say, what is that? I'll say, use your imagination. (laughs) Please consult. The second half of episode 66 and get back to me. Thank I you. will let you know when you listen to all 66 episodes. <laughs> um, now, even though we don't know like the actual name of this farmer, this story was published in the newspaper. And this is the story of what is known as the abominable chicken man. Stop touching my chickens, man. <laughs> <laughs> I came across this story when I was doing the Yeti. I guess because Abominable, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, we're putting a pin in that for sure. And here we are. I took the pin out, and I put it in this episode. Okay. So I found this newspaper article from the Spokesman Review. It was ran March 1st of 1971, and it was written by Dennis Montgomery. (laughs) Uh, It was titled, Perhaps He's Sass Cluck, Farmer's Hunt Chicken Man. I love it. I I want to be Dennis. He is what I aspire to be. The sass clock sent me. And there is a picture. Uh, There's one whole picture. And it's a picture that was in the newspaper article. And I'll get to that. Uh, But I also included the title just because why the heck would I? I got to get to the drive now. What the hell am I doing? So the farmer, like I said earlier in our dramatic reenactment, He wakes up, he starts his day, only to find that he's missing some hens, and he's got some repairs to do on this coop. So he calls a state game warden because this obviously ain't no fox. When the game warden gets there, he looks around and he's baffled. The handprints that are on the, they're on the walls, the doors, like they're kind of just everywhere. They measure seven inches long and five inches wide. Hold on, seven inches long. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, that's pretty, that's a pretty big hand, but yeah, you know what? It's 
perfectly possible it could be a human hand? Well, they didn't think so. So <laughs> the warden takes this door and he sends it to the Oklahoma City Zoo. And they're the like, zoo? The zoo. And okay. he's like, hey, what kind of animal made these handprints? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, they didn't know. But <laughs> they were just. Neither did we. <laughs> Nobody done knows. They were just as bamboozled as the game warden. God. And Lawrence Curtis was the zoo director at the time. He's the one that's pictured. And in the picture, he is comparing a black bear's footprint, paw print, to uh -huh. the handprints, footprints that were left in the dirt. We have no proof of the footprints because they weren't, they didn't save them. I guess maybe in the 70s, they didn't think to take plaster molds of footprints and stuff. Okay. That's, I mean, that's fair. It was the 70s, you know? Right. Uh, so this is Curtis comparing the two. And that's a big old footprint, too. I mean, if that's a, a black bear's. It's a big footprint. Yeah. But it could just be a very large person so far. Right. We still don't know to this day. Spoiler alert. Uh, so Curtis starts investigating. And he said the, the prints appear to be those of a primate, but the thumbprint in the handprints was unusual because it kind of curved inwards. So he speculated that the thumb was either deformed or injured. And he also said it resembles a gorilla, but it's more like a man. It appears whatever made the prints, and in this sentence he was talking about the ones outside, was walking on all fours. There were some footprints on the ground outside. Whatever it was, was barefoot. Barefoot in December. Oh, yeah. Hell no. That's not a uh -huh. normal human. No. Hold on. Before we go further, though, I have a coworker. Uh -huh. He does barefoot walks in the middle of winter. So I guess if you're crazy like him... Maybe. Uh, I'm not that person. What is the goal of this? Um, he talks a lot about, like, the uh, idea of... I don't fucking know. <laughs> I tried. Uh, he's, like, um, he does strongman competitions. And okay. so... I think it has something to do with that, but I don't know. I, okay. Do you want me to ask him? That would be great. Just because yeah, I, I will, don't get it. I will ask Brigham what it is. I just wonder if it's something like, I've heard of the polar bear challenge where all these people go and jump in a frigid freaking water somewhere in the middle of winter. I don't get that either. I mean, this is also the man that sits there and goes, everyone should take ice cold showers and i laugh every time and say good luck not happening in my life don't tell me what to do i will use my water heater how i see fit thanks i will remain warm thank yes. you very much borderline scalding even though i know they say it's not good for your hair or your skin can't help it it feels I, wonderful if cody isn't bitching that it's too hot it's not hot enough thank you if my skin is not red when i get out of the shower if my skin has not melted from my body and clogged the drain, it is not hot enough. Am I really sanitized? Am I, though? not hot enough? I think not. So. Uh, word spread quickly. 
And people started coming to Curtis with similar reports. A man in Stillwater claimed to have found prints as well. And there was a woman in McAllister who claimed to be sending him a photograph with similar footprints that she found. If he ever got these photos, that was not mentioned. Well, damn it, lady. We need closure here. I need follow-up. What's her name? They were both unnamed. What year was this again? 1971. Do we know how old she was or approximately? No. Damn it, it was literally like a little blurb. They were it was almost like the newspaper was like this does not seem real. Let's mention these two people in the entire state of Oklahoma. Let's mention these other two people who are like, "Hey, I saw footprints like that too." But don't and tell anything about them. Maybe they wanted to remain anonymous. See, I know that happens a lot in a lot of paranormal things because people don't want to be looked at like you're crazy. I don't get a heck. It's I'm, too late for that. I'm telling everybody. I'm telling James. I'm telling my boss. I'm telling my coworkers. I'm telling the neighbor, even though I've only spoke to him like two or three times. You're telling me. Oh, for sure. Before You're even I tell James. You're the neighbor's house. Like, did you see the abominable uh, Annie Snatcher? She's fine. But. but... She's, she's fine. They brought her back because she wouldn't quit <laughs> screaming. But. You should see the handprints he left in my den. You should see. You should see how much fur he left on my couch. It's insane. Come over. There are feathers everywhere. You don't understand. I have photographic evidence. It's a little blurry, but. (laughs) It's there. Also, can I borrow your vacuum? (laughs) Do you have a cup of sugar? (laughs) (laughs) Or possibly some uh, chicken scratch. Isn't that what they feed chickens? Uh, sure. Or possibly, do you have any salt? I need to form a ring of protection around my house. I should probably do that regardless. That just feels like a good idea. Probably. Have I done it? Nope. Yeah, no. We'll put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. We'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. Uh, since these prints were found across the state, Curtis claimed that... <laughs> This obviously means one of two things. Either there's more than one of these creatures or the one is hitchhiking. He used the word hitchhiking. It's in the newspaper article. Okay. My question with the hitchhiking. (laughs) Wouldn't that mean it's a person? I can't imagine in the 70s, someone's going to stop for this crazy looking creature and take them to the next town over. What if they don't know they're stopping? Wait, what if they don't know that he's, sorry, back up. <laughs> what they, if they don't they know they're don't... stopping. <laughs> they're just like, what is the car doing? No, what if they don't know he is hitchhiking? They don't feel a thud on their top of their car. What if they're transporting cows and he just hops on in there? He's like, hey, Bessie, move over a tad. Uh, I got to get to Stillwater. When you see all the cows bunched up against the <laughs> front, maybe pull over. I don't think he'll have a choice. I don't know if that would pass one of the uh, weight checks. I don't know. I don't know either, but I'm not a zoologist, so he knows more than I do. Uh, we should be cryptozoologists. How do we get those degrees? 
uh, I will go back to school to be for that. cryptozoology. Oh, heck yeah. I think we're on the right path. So now we come to Howard Dreesen. And Howard Dreesen, he was not having this. He had a very rational explanation for this whole mess. And it was not the abominable chicken man. It was Jimmy drunk. He tore the, he had superhuman strength for the night, tore the door off, took a nap, went home. It was better than that. Oh, okay. Was it him? No. Oh, okay. It is a chimpanzee that escaped from a circus train wreck 50 years prior. What? (laughs) Apparently there was a circus train wreck 50 years before this happened. And records show, because they actually investigated this. They did their due diligence. But the records they come across said that, okay, yeah, this happened. Uh, But the wreck was minor and no animals escaped. But Howard Dreesen, he ran Howard a Howard Dreesen is like those lying bastards. Yes. For sure, six champies, two elephants, a goose, and a fucking gander all escaped. It deserves a gander. <laughs> uh, Dreesen ran a sawmill close to the farm. And he said that he had chased and tried to catch this escaped chimpanzee on multiple occasions. This is the 70s, right? Was he a little, you know, a little loopy on something? I'm not sure, but he also claimed to see a three-foot-long panther one night, so. I also see heffalumps and woozles on a daily basis. You are in dire need of honey. (laughs) Fate Magazine ran a story on this in September of 1971. And when Fate Magazine asked Dreesen how he knew this was a chimpanzee, are you ready for this quote? Oh, I'm ready. I seen him on television. You ought to see this fella. Actually, I think it's a female. It's about, oh, 30, 31 inches tall, and it's got a face that looks like a prune. Cute little fella. Sure would like to catch it. That's not mathing. 30 to 31 inches tall. Uh But giant at seven inch hands? Yeah. Not even three foot tall. But seven inch long hand prints. You want to know what this is kind of like reminding me of for some reason? What? Abu Gogo with their saggy tits. Okay. (laughs) Did they have seven inch long? They had things. I, I don't think they were necessarily seven inches long for their hands. But they were around three feet tall, weren't they? Yeah. Was this they an were ape like? They did have disproportioned hands, like disproportioned uh, bodies, if I remember correctly. Is this an Oklahoma Ebugogo? I hope so. So, Dreesen also claimed that uh, he left oranges and bananas out at dusk and he would always come back within a few days and they were completely gone. No skins, no nothing, no peels. The whole thing were just gone. Okay, that doesn't make it a chimpanzee. That absolutely makes it a chimpanzee. I didn't know chimpanzees liked oranges. Bananas, maybe, because of the stereotype around it, but oranges? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, surely nothing else could be taking this stuff. 
not someone passing by, not like rabbits or no. What other little critters run around? Mice, rodents. No, it was definitely a 50-year-old chimpanzee. That escaped from the zoo. Train wreck. Yes. That Wait, escaped no. From the circus. The circus, circus that's what yeah, I meant. that one. But yes, also escaped from a train wreck, and they're hiding two elephants, the goose and the gander, just down the block. Uh, and apparently a three-foot-long panther. That, too. Yes. Um, Can't argue with logic here. <laughs> Dreesen also said that he kept a heavy net in his truck. And that he keeps a camera on him because he thinks he knows where the little fella is hiding. So if he can't catch him, he says he wants to at least get a picture of him. Please tell me that he found where the little fella is hiding. Oh, please tell me it's like a cave like with Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't believe he ever found him. Also, I don't believe it actually existed. But I don't know. Clearly. You can't argue with logic, Amanda. Why are you trying? Uh, that's my job question mark. Um, clearly you're doing it wrong. Uh, Question mark? I'll do better next time. Okay, thanks. So Fake Magazine, they also talked to Lawrence Curtis, because, you know, he's a zoologist. He knows things about things and stuff. And he told them, these prints are definitely not from a chimp. Well, wait, also they went to the zoo and they were like, yeah, that's not chimp. They, uh, they did say that they reported with, what? They checked with anybody who would have a chimp nearby. They checked up with this laboratory and the laboratory, it said that the doctor said amusingly all their animals were accounted for. So I don't know if he's like, I don't know if that meant that they were like, <laughs> yeah, of course, all my animals are here. Or if he was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Yeah, our animals are here. You're looking for a 50 year old chimpanzee from a train wreck? I don't understand. First of all, if he said it the first way, then that's like red flag. Hello, mm-hmm. where are your animals? Second way, he's like, you idiots, get out of my office. <laughs> You idiots, get out of my office and don't touch that pink mouse, please. Don't. Just keep your hands to yourself. Actually, let's keep some prayer hands in your lap, okay? Prayer hands in lap. Hands in pockets. I will zip tie your hands together if I have to. What if that was a stipulation upon entering, like, museums and stuff? They're like, hey, there's no glass in this museum, but I gotta zip tie your hands. Uh, I think that'd be dangerous because you just have my hands like this and I'd be like, what? (laughs) You said something? Look over there. Yeah, good point. That's probably why they don't do it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know where that thought comes. He probably didn't even let them in the office. (laughs) He met them out at the front door. Yeah. It's like they rang the doorbell and one of those little metal slides open in the door and you only see his eyes. Like in the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that's what happened. That's for sure. And he went, we need a horse of a different color. (laughs) Whatever the quote is. It's been a long time since I've watched The Wizard of Oz, okay? Wow, we are rambling. All right, sorry. Uh, They checked with his laboratory. Laboratory's like, no, all my chimps are here. Okay, thanks, bye. They checked with 
zoos, but there were none near El Reno and there were no circuses nearby either. And there was also nobody known to be keeping one as a pet. So they exhausted all of their efforts, but in the end, they found nobody missing a chimp. By the way, they also never found a chimp. So, throwing that out there. He made it home pretty quickly. Curtis was not giving up. He kept researching, and he found that there were four animals native to Oklahoma that could leave prints that big. There was a mountain lion, a wolf, a black bear, and a chimp. And a Uh, man. I fucking told you. I said it was a person, a human, the entire time. He ruled out everything but the last one. I freaking told you. I told you it was Jimmy, drunk. He had a bender one night, superhuman strength, tore that shit off, took a nap. Well, he does have, uh, he has one other idea. Let's hear it. He kept the door in his office and showed it to wildlife experts and mammologists. 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 He showed it to mammal experts. <laughs> and uh, he showed it to all these people in Oklahoma and anybody that just happened to be passing through. If they were from Utah and they were a mammal expert. He's like, who, who are you? Come, come over here. I, what, yeah. what are your animals? You don't have any? Come, come over here real quick. Come, come here. I want to show you this. Yeah. What are you here to do? Fix the water fountain? That's fine. Come look at this door. What, you were here just, you were looking for a bathroom? That's okay. Come here. I'll show you where a door to a bathroom is. Come here. But you got to look at this door first. That's what I imagine he was doing. <laughs> Anybody and everybody, he's like, hey, come look at this, this handprint on this door. Uh, everybody agreed that it had to have been a primate of some kind. So Curtis starts comparing the abominable chicken man to reports of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. and. The newspaper article ended by mentioning that Curtis was trying to find books and magazines on Bigfoot to gather more info, but he was hoping somebody actually sees one. Uh, One is in the chicken man, sorry. Uh, And apparently everybody was, but to this day, nobody has actually seen the abominable chicken man. It's because it's a, a man. It's drunk Jimmy. Is it's that drunk what Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. It's drunk Jimmy. I don't know what he did with your chickens. Um, he took them home. But... He was drunk. He's like, Ruby Beth, come on. Hennifer, let's go. And now Ruby Beth and Hennifer apparently just live the life. And they're like, I don't know, corn whiskey or something. They live the know. life with him or they became his dinner. I don't know. I don't like to think that way. I like to think. That they, he took them to greener pastures with no doors at all. That's why the door was on the ground. He was like, this is bullshit. Chickens don't need doors. And Tear this shit off. Yep. This is what I think about your coop. And he was like, we're going to the chicken Eden of them all. And apparently he was walking on all fours when he did all this. He probably just fell. Oh, that's right. He was drunk. He was stumbling. Yeah, he was stumbling for Mm -hmm. sure. Problem solved. I figured it out. Don't worry. That's it. Yep. He was probably even like the town recluse. Like people didn't like him. I mean, I wouldn't like him either if he was. Stealing chickens? 
Yeah, stealing chickens and leaving handprints on my walls. Like, I gotta clean that, sir. Um, maybe he was, maybe it was like part of a gang activity, gang initiation. Do gangs do that? I thought gangs were like, you have to steal that old lady's purse and run her car off a cliff. Not, you have to tear Uh, apart this chicken coop and handprint the walls. Is there a college nearby? Was it possibly hazing? Now, hazing gets crazy. That could be it. Or was it just a freaking prank and someone stole the chickens? Probably. If I had to guess, it would be that. Uh, Listen, the door, I don't know what what materials you used to secure that on there. But I am sure a bunch of teenagers in the right mindset would tear that shit off no problem. And what mindset would one have to be to rip a door from the hinges? Of a chicken coop. Get the chicken. Ah, okay. Yeah, that would yeah. do it. Yeah. So dedication to to getting the chickens. The only type of chicks they could pick up, you know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> they couldn't get them anywhere else. And they're like, this door is not stopping me. You gotta pick up some chicks right here, right now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what it was. I I love the abominable chicken man. I don't quite believe that it's a cryptid. I do think it might have been more of a prank. I love the idea of it being a cryptid. And honestly, I love the idea of it being Sass Clug. Like, we need to keep, can we keep that? Yes. Because I know, in, I know one day we'll cover Sasquatch, and by we, I mean Bryce. But I know oh, yeah, it's like what, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Skunk Ape. Can we just add Sascluck, please? Yeah, I think you can. Okay. Well, That's at least it. to he's our done. collection, Sascluck is done. Cool. Okay. Well, then he's there. He's there. Sascluck lives on. Sascluck for the win. All right. Well, that was a fun one. <laughs> I need something if, light. <laughs> even if I don't fully believe what they say, but that's fine. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, or by searching Facebook, um, Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further you can uh, so that we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellandheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye! Bye!